Hello everyone and welcome back to the Donkey's Garage for episode 4. This is the second take. I was not very happy with the result for the first take, so let's let's give it a go again. Um, so the first thing I wanted to mention was that I'm doing a recap um, on the news about Formula 1 that have happened since the last episode, of course. Um, the major news was the appointment of Aluni Bravi in Sauber as team principal or in a capacity that should be akin, similar to being team principal. Um, is not a very well-known uh, name in the industry, at least not in the paddock. Um, he has been kind of on, on the background, um, if, if, if one can say so. He was a managing director at Sauber for marketing, communications, legal, sales and finance. So he's been part of the Sauber company for, for some time. Uh, his appointment actually comes um, hand in hand with the announcement that Audi has fulfilled the purchase of all the stakes, of all the shares in the, in the Sauber um, uh, company. So they have now become, I think, a wholly owned um, uh, uh, team by, by Audi. So I guess they are starting as of as of that moment, as 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 the moment they they completed the purchase to appoint and to make decisions towards twenty twenty six in order to have the full team uh, ready and um, working by the time they join as a title um, team. And so um, these Aluni Bravi, he's he's not exactly the a technical um, person. His background is uh, law. He studied law in 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 Italy. Um, he also runs a company called Trusted Talent Management, uh, managing drivers such as Van Dorn, Kubica, and Lungard. Uh, he seems to be more uh, focused on the management uh, managing um, side. So he not so much about technical. And this, I think, is is a very positive uh, move. Something that may 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 really result in good and a and a and a positive result in the long term. We've seen that teams have had different approaches on how to combine the different roles that um, the the pyramid at the top of the pyramid um, should have. Uh, some teams have placed all the power in one person and and get, granting that person both technical. Um, duties of oversight and those which are more akin to, to media management and uh, and uh, marketing. Um, overall, I think it's something that is a bit too much for one person. Not so much because one person cannot do everything in that regard. It's more about the fact that usually when you are uh, somebody with a technical background, you're too focused on technical part and you're not so much somebody that, that, that has the capacity, that has the, the, the excels at being socially interactive, that being, um, how may I say it, um, popular in that sense, being somebody who's got the people's um, touch. And so it's something that is really hard to, 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 to combine in, in one person. So giving these um, two roles to different people is something you know is a way that ensures 
that people that are really focused on the technical aspect look at the technical aspect and you will i think be able to to extract 100 percent of that person in that capacity and then having somebody else who is going to be looking at more um to dedicate himself more at marketing at, at getting finance and at, at talking to the media and perhaps and foremost the most important role which is interacting with the other teams and as we know it formula one is is, is a game that is played on track but is also played outside the track and when i mean it's played outside the track i mean there's a lot of conversations a lot of talks a lot of interaction that happens outside um, of track between team principals between managers um, in that regard and there's a lot of bullying to be done there's a lot of uh, shouldering there's a lot of elbowing to be done and so at the end of the day you need somebody who's comfortable doing that kind of um, work and background there's going to be fighting not in the in the in the real sense but there's going to be putting up a fight against the other team principles and really getting the maximum out of, of, of the situation for the benefit of the team and trying to push and, and to keep as or to, to keep at bay the, the the opponents the rivals and also work and cooperate uh, with the FIA and Liberty Media in order to profit your team as much as possible and in order to give you a picture or of what I am talking about I'm talking about uh, for instance as roads in for instance in McLaren it was I think clearly divided for over the last uh, three years between Zach Brown who's doing the management side getting the finance talking to the other teams talking to the FIA is doing all the social all the interaction all the people's interaction he's got that uh, covered and then there is Andreas Idol who's focused as a team principal on getting the technical side of it done he's managing the engineers he's making sure that the results are there and by combining these two people by having Zach Brown and by having Andreas Seidel McLaren has been able to move forward another example might be um, the picture of Christian Horner with a three-headed spear where you have Christian Horner Hedman Marker, and then you got Andrea Newey, who is on the background leading uh, the engineers. Christian Horner is a bit like the 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 dog in the herd. He gets all the all the all the pack together, leads them into victory. And Hedman Marker is a bit of a hybrid character, where he's just appearing to be on the background not necessarily having an active role in managing but i am 100 percent sure that he is actually um, well discussing things in detail with christian horner but also playing a very important role in having these third opinion which will at times drive one way or another the decisions within the team and also a very important role vis-a-vis -vis the rest vis-a-vis -vis the other teams, vis-a-vis -vis the, the media. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a structure that is very complex, but it's, it's worked and it has proven to be very, very efficient. Also in Mercedes, you see these with Toto Wolf. Back in the days, you had Niki Lauda. And then you had um, Wolves, who was back in the days uh, on the technical side, more on the uh, engineering side. Nowadays, perhaps Mercedes is suffering a bit of a shakedown because uh, Niki Lauda is no longer there. So... 
the non-executive director is no longer there to support Total Wolf and the engineering side um, Wolves left to join Williams. But I think the, the structure will not change that much. I'm sure um, Total Wolf has already come up with people to substitute. Nicky Lauda is true that I was not truly um, substituted by anyone. So all, some of the responsibilities have fallen now exclusively on Total Wolf. But nonetheless, I think it's, it's still a, a structure that, that depends or that breaks the different roles into more than two, uh, between two and three people in order to make sure that each person is focusing on what they are really good at. Another structure that comes to mind was Ferrari back in the days uh, with Jean Todd and Ross Braun. I think that was a, a, the perfect example of how a team should be led and how that two-person structure worked to perfection between somebody who was in the, in the, in the person of Jean Todd who was not focused on, on the technical aspect, who did not really come from a background uh, specialized in, in, in engineering or, or uh, science that, that would put him in a position to understand what the technical side of, of the, uh, the development of the car was. He was more focused about talking to the media, making fencing Ferrari, which is really important um, against outside pressure. And then he was also talking about the finance to, to, to different uh, brands and making sure the money was coming in. And then you had the person of Ross Braun, who was the key leader in the team. He had the ideas. He was a bright engineer, engineer and he was making sure that all the engineers that were working for him were bringing 100% of what they could um, to the team. Uh, one of the engineers that was part of the team uh, under Ross Braun was Mattia Binotto, who then became himself team principal. When I think about teams that have this structure in a different way, which might not be so successful, is for instance, Ferrari now, where it seems that all the responsibilities have fallen into one person, and that was uh, Mattia Binotto. They had one person leading the team, and he was also technical director. I consider having all the data now in place and, and seeing the performance of the team and see, knowing him uh, at least from what the media reports is that he is a very bright very technical person i think he's one of the best engineers the paddock had but he was not fit for the role of managing he did not have this the the, the natural talent for it and so what showed was that he was able to bring a perfectly uh, competitive car uh, to the grid in 2022, but he was just short in, in managing the team in the, in, the, in the HR sense. And so at the end of the day, that really well created problems when the season started to unveil and eventually led to crumbling the whole house of cards and something that uh, unfortunately um, caused him to be ousted. Um, what can I say also? All the teams that have had this approach of one man uh, doing it all was back in the days, McLaren with Ron Dennis. 
he was very authoritative in that sense. He was really a control freak, um, according to Kimi Raikkonen. And at the end, he developed a team that became one-person team where he led everything, both the, the, the HR, the media, the, the, the finance, everything. And he did also the managing of the, of the engineers in a way. And at the end of the day, it seemed that he turned too politically and he was almost too powerful. And that really failed because that was the decline of McLaren. Maybe he just uh, lost the oversight and then the, in the check and balances that having people around you provides a good manager. Even if he is the one who's got the last word at the end of the day, but he still needs the feedback and the and and hearing the opinions, dissenting opinions, in order to shape his into into more refined opinions, and maybe that really was what brought McLaren down back in the days. They had really good engineers. They had absolute the, some of the brightest minds, which some of them then left for Mercedes. They left for. Uh, Renault, they've left for different positions, but the fact is that Ron Dennis accumulated so much power inside the McLaren that he would eventually become um, the, well, the uh, uh, absolutist, absolute king uh, within his kingdom, and that, I think, led to, to the demise of, of McLaren. Other people that ruled with an iron fist was Flavio Briatore, but Flavio was a bit of a hybrid situation because he never really cared about the technical uh, development of the car himself. He did the overview just of the people, not of the technical aspects. So he was more of a dictator in the sense that he wanted to have uh, the last opinion on everything. And I think he's, he's said that and he's shown to be really uh, well stubborn sometimes in his mind about how to... to to make to, to, to come up with the decisions he did not really a well inspire a, a, a an atmosphere of, of discussion of, 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 of letting people feel that they were just equals to him he made sure that he was seen as the one leading Renault but at the same time he was conscious that of his limitations and he definitely knew that he didn't have any any background whatsoever in, 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 in engineering or anything related to, to science that would enable him to provide a positive and constructive feedback. So he made sure he was surrounded by people that were some of the best minds in the industry, like Paddy Lowe, and he got them in the positions of managing just beneath him. So he was sure that he could rely on people taking the positive decisions that needed that needed the team, and he would just need in he himself he would just need to look after manage those different directors that were right beneath him, but he wouldn't have to get his hands on the technical side. And then he dedicated himself fully and exclusively to the social um, interactions in the paddock with the media and with finance and he did that brilliantly and the fact is that his way of approaching managing uh, management really paid off as a result Renault got 2006 and uh, 2005 and 2006 championship and he was able then to bring back Renault in the 2008 era 
with limited resources, but he was still able to bring some good results until he was um, ousted from Formula One for a not so transparent um, decision in Singapore which I will not name for the sake of, 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 of brevity. Um, with that said, uh, on the news, there's now, well, we are approaching the dates where everything kind of unveils, where we are just uh, two weeks short of starting this uh, pre-season in Formula One. And so the mind games are just about to start. Uh, between special Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, and then the other teams kind of play the same game in a different level. But definitely Red Bull are putting all their, their works to, to, all their mind games to, to, to work. And with that said, we heard Helmut Marko say that they're very much struggling with the limitation imposed after the sanction for breaching the uh, budget regulations with regards to the wind tunnel, with regards to the development of the car, the computer-generated designs and blah, blah, blah. So apparently they claim they're going to be losing quite a lot of um, pace because of these. That said, I think they come from a very, very strong car last year. So the blueprint to begin with the 2023, uh, 2023 season is a very good point to, to begin with. It's not like other teams who have to scrap the whole thing and trying to come up with a fresh new blueprint. Red Bull had a winning car, they had a very strong car, and I think they just need to develop that car forward. Of course, the argument is that over winter, all the teams are going to improve. So if you all have a good car at the end of the previous season, but you don't develop it when the new season starts, you're just going to be at the back of the grid. With that said, they've also said that they are reshaping the whole car so almost 90% of the car will be a new car so moving away from last year's design I think this is might be an overstatement when something works and especially in Formula 1 it's it's very rare that you tossed that design out of the window I think what they mean, mean is that they have begun using last year's cars and then they have developed it so much that it's almost 90% new. It's not so much that they have started from a, from a blank sheet of paper and they've left last year's car and said that is no good anymore. That's a different, well, I mean, we will we'll see about that, but I think that, um, I am confident that that is what he meant. Also, um, Helmut Marco said that he was concerned that Ferrari was going to be gaining about 30 brake horsepower over the winter break because of the development on the car. Ferrari responded saying that was not true, that they, they didn't really see what he meant. But the only thing the, the FIA regulation allows teams since the engines were frozen until 2026 is to develop engines with, uh, with regards to reliability and in, in theory if you develop an engine just for reliability purposes you shouldn't be gaining horsepower as such you should only be gaining reliability so in that sense um, 
Ferrari would, I mean, just denied all allegations. This is part of the power play, of course. Christian Horner, Helmut Marker, they're seeking to destabilize the opponents and also get involved the FIA should it be needed into this matter and eventually push the FIA maybe to look at the engine twice and make sure that it's compliant with the regulation and make sure above all that if you're suffering from some uh, limitations such as they are because of the wind tunnel restrictions so on you're going to try to find ways to limit your opponents your rivals development pace in order to kind of balance it out Mercedes they're also struggling apparently Hamel Market also had an opinion about Mercedes he also said that according to his sources within uh, Mercedes the tensions are uh, the the tension is running very high within the factory because the pressure is on the pressure of bringing a competitive car as opposed to last year is that true? Well, of course that's true, but I think that's true about all the teams. All the teams have the pressure to bring a competitive car. They are there to win. And if they don't win, if they don't make a good impression, they're going to lose sponsors and losing sponsors, losing money. And at the end of the day, they're not just driving around a track um, for 70 laps for fun. They're there to make money. And if they don't make money, they are out of the game. And it's pretty much uh, the, the picture in the between these three teams then on the side you have the the, the contenders for the best out of the rest which is uh, Alpine Renault Aston Martin and McLaren they have a fight there Aston Martin has claimed that they have a or they will be having a competitive car they started a car from blank shit they have really good momentum they have a good feeling and that might be because my crack i think has embodied a really good structure i mean he, he really represents the positive a, a a good management style in that he's brought stability to the team after some rocky years especially over the last period because of the shareholder situation lack of finance and so on and now they're in this situation where he's brought stability he's brought some calm some some peace within the team and he's acquired very good talent very very good talent from red bull from mercedes and he's put everything together last season it was a bit of a testing season i think for them in a sense especially from the summer onwards given that they knew they were going they were not going anywhere they were just testing the waters for next year. And so what we see, I think, what we saw last season and what we are going to see is the fruition of all that work that was on the background. Now it's going to pay off. And also with a new uh, driver in, in, in Alonso, it's bringing, I think, experience. It's bringing the savoir-faire of a champion. And all that together might result in a very good result also alpine of course they're going to come back with a very strong car they had a very i think a very decent car to begin with um with it for the 2023 season as red bull of course um 
not as good, but relatively good in that sense. I think it was the best out of the rest, especially at the end of the year. And it proved that that car, given just a bit more uh, beef, a bit more strength, a bit more reliability, especially reliability, you could put that car uh, up in, in a fight for a fourth or a fifth place should the moment come. And so as a result, the fight for the best of the rest might be a, a tough one. McLaren is also there. McLaren, they need to make a statement. They had a pretty average season last year. And so coming from a rather good season in 2021, a rather average season in 2022, in 2023, they need to change the momentum. They need to change, it, change the whole thing, turn it upside down. They had a rocky, rocky winter, so they need to bring stability, bring calm within the, the factory. They have a new team principle. They have all a whole new structure almost to, to, to restart. A new driver in, in Piastri. They need to teach in the ropes, and it's going to be a tough one. Definitely nothing to to be too worried about. It's just part of being a team in Formula One. There's something they're going to have to handle, to manage. And I'm sure uh, Zach Brown is going to well have the tools in order to maximize his resources. No wonder about that. And lastly, has actually introduced the looks of the new car for the 2023 season. With the new sponsor, I'm not familiar with the new sponsor, but uh, at least they've shown how it will look like. Definitely nothing uh, to do with how the car will look like. Technically, it's just uh, in terms of marketing. It's a marketing event, purely just the, the looks, like the, the appearance of the car to show the sponsors, to show the, the fans also, of course, what they, they're going to be looking as um, for the 2023 season. And I think with that said, there isn't much more to say. Um, it's a fairly short episode. So with that, I think I should conclude. Just one more thing now that I, I, that I think about it. Uh, two things, actually. There was a bit of controversy about the value of Formula One. It was, uh, there was a, a bid made by a Saudi fund to purchase the Formula One uh, rights for $20 billion. The FIA, in, in speaking through his, uh, the, the director, the head of the FIA, he said that that was overvalued, that definitely couldn't be worth as much as $20 billion. Liberty was not so happy about it because they were like, well, what is the FIA doing in, in, in having an, an opinion about the value of Formula One. And of course, Liberty Media regards Formula One as an asset. is an asset like anything else could be an asset like owning shares in another company. And at the end of the day, they want to maximize their, the value of their, their asset. And so they were not so happy about these, the FIA meddling in this regard, in the value of Formula One. I think overall, it's not such a disproportionate, it's such a such a wild uh, guess to to value Formula One at twenty billion. If you look at other sports like football, like the Premier League, like La Liga, like NFL or basketball, the NBC in the US, they're fairly 
close in terms of value. So it should be around the $20 billion, probably is a fair uh, valuation. And continuing on, on the news about the FIA, they have officially opened the bids for new entries for the uh, for the coming seasons, hopefully up from 2026 onwards. It could be as early as 2024, actually. But that actually opens the gates for Andretti, for other teams, uh, even the Thai uh, team that wanted to, to, to make an entry. All these are now going to submit their proposals, of course, pay the administrative fee, and they will be able to aspire to, to join the grid at some point down the line, should consent be found among the existing teams uh, with that said thank you very much for listening please uh, hit the subscribe button the follow button follow um, me on instagram there's a new account at the donkey's garage for news all the new episodes will be posted there as well as on my private account um, also the i'm on twitter so you can find those uh, news there and finally, if you want to join at some point to well, share your opinion about Formula One, please do so. Don't feel compelled that you need to be an expert about Formula One. This is just a relaxed um, atmosphere, a relaxed place to talk, safe place. You can say absolutely anything. You can even say you don't like Formula One. What we want to hear is opinions. And with that said, have a good day and I will come back to you with the uh, more news when the new cars are launched for the 2023 season that should be from the uh, I think the 10th 11th February onwards and then we'll head to Bahrain for the pre-season testing thank you very much and have a good day